Welcome to the Axe 13 Network Podcast. My name is Dan Rose, and I am the lead troublemaker here at the Axe 13 Network. We're glad you have decided to spend a little bit of time with us. What can you expect from this podcast? Well, hopefully, you will walk away from it learning to love well. That's our heart, that's our hope, that's our desire. We want to try to help people love well by hearing the words of Jesus, learning the works of Jesus, and following in the way of Jesus. So let's get on to this week's episode. continuing this morning in our study of the book of Acts, and uh, we are going to be in Acts chapter 14, verses 1 through 7 this morning. Acts chapter 14, verses 1 through 7. It goes like this. At Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went, as usual, into the Jewish synagogue. There they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. But the Jews who refused to believe stirred up the other Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So Paul and Barnabas spent some considerable time there, speaking boldly for the Lord, who confirmed the message of His grace by enabling them to, do, to perform signs and wonders. The people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, others with the apostles. There was a plot afoot among both Gentiles and Jews, together with their leaders, to mistreat them and stone them. But they found out about it and fled to the Lyconian cities of Lystra and Derb and to the surrounding country, where they continued to preach the gospel. This is God's word. So, let's orient ourselves so I can play with my cool laser pointer. All right, so they, remember we kind of left off last week, uh, they were, you know, Antioch and Pisidia up here, kind of in the north, and so they head, you know, kind of eastward over here to Iconium, and uh, this is where we, we pick up the story. And you can also see uh, Lystra and Derb really are not, they're not far from Iconium. So when they, when they take off, uh, they're not going, they're not going a long distance. Uh, now I'm sure it's probably a lot longer walk than this map makes it look like. Um, uh, but we're also not talking, you know, about, you know, months and months kind of journey here. Uh, they catch wind and they, they head out. Uh, but right now they're kind of in that central, that central area there, in that area, the vicinity there of Lyconia, and uh, they're hanging out in Iconium, and we get this story. And so it's interesting to me that this this little insight, this tiny little story, here in chapter fourteen, verses one through seven. I'm not sure we get if this took place in 2023. Why? 
Well, because I don't know if you caught wind of what was going on here, but there was some, let's say, tension, conflict, right? Uh, things weren't just peachy keen. It's not like Paul and Barnabas showed up at the synagogue and everyone was like, ah, it's Paul and Barnabas, high fives all around, life is great, we love everything you said, this is phenomenal. That is not what took place. Now, there was some good, but there was also some bad. So let's, let's take a quick look, right? Um, my page turned on me. All right. So they, they, Luke tells us, as usual, they went to the Jewish synagogue. We talked about that last week, right? Like, this was a pretty strategic move. If you're going to go talk to people about Jesus, you're going to want to go talk to people who have at least some sense of the story, right? And so if you go to the synagogue, you're going to bump into, obviously, Jewish people who know the story, who know the Old Testament. You're also going to bump into God-fearing Gentiles. So Gentiles who were, at the very least, interested in the God of the Bible, or potentially had even converted to Judaism. And so, again, they knew the stories. They would understand Paul's references out of the Old Testament. They shared some common insight, a common worldview about right and wrong and the need to have forgiveness and the reality that they had been separated from God because of their lack of faith or their, um, their inability to obey the law and that they needed freedom because of the gospel, because Jesus died and rose again. Right? They, they would have all of that context. They would understand all of that. And so Paul and Barnabas strategically would show up to the synagogue. And I get here, and I love how, I love this. It, it says, there they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. They were effective in their preaching, in their teaching. As they opened the scriptures, they knew, they understood the scriptures. They knew and they understood how to speak to this particular audience. There was an effectiveness to their teaching and preaching. They weren't just, they weren't just up there doing it haphazardly. No, they were, they were intentional. They, they sought to be good at what they were doing. You could think of this as maybe a sense of excellence, right? They, they showed up, they communicated in such a way that many people turned and trusted Christ. That's a good thing. And if we just stopped there, we would probably just go ahead and chalk this up and say, hey, big victory. All right, they were effective. Lots of people trusted Christ. The problem is, when you are effective, there is almost always going to be resistance. When people begin to change, there is resistance. When people see others change, there's a lot of resistance, right? Because what happens oftentimes when people who are kind of in a, in a community, 
because this was a this was a tight knit community. The Jewish synagogues, you remember, these are these are centers, civic centers. These are places where the whole town shows up, where where the whole community would come and be together, and so they knew one another and they were tight with one another. And so when these people were beginning to trust Christ, you know, they're in effect saying, "Ah, we didn't have the whole story, we didn't get it all, but now we do." The story's been fulfilled. All the promises have been fulfilled in Christ. We were missing this last little bit. But here we are now. We are forgiven. We are saved. We we are one with Christ and one with one another. But the people, some of the other people who weren't being changed, who didn't buy the story, who weren't, you know, hearing Paul's preaching and Barnabas' preaching and going, yeah, I'm in. They looked at that and said, what do you mean we didn't have the whole story? What do you mean? What Are you saying that, that we're not following God? Are you saying that we failed in some way? Are you saying that we didn't understand the Scripture? What are you talking about? And that creates resistance. That can create some upset situations. I remember when I came home... Uh, after the summer after my freshman year in college. I had gone on a summer mission trip with with crew down in North Myrtle Beach, and there I really got serious in my faith. I mean, it, it I really began taking it seriously, studying the scriptures and all kinds of things. Now, I had grown up going to church, right? I mean, I was in church before I was born. We went to church Nearly every Sunday, um, church was an important part of our lives. We were active. We were involved. We were not priesters, right? We weren't the people that just showed up at Christmas and Easter, right? We were, we, I was involved in the, you know, we went to Sunday school. We did, you know, the puppet troop. I mean, I, I, I did it all. We were active. We went to every VBS there my whole life. We did boxes on. We were, we were, I mean, part of the, the life of the church. And yet, my faith just wasn't, it wasn't my own yet. I hadn't owned it yet. I hadn't come to the place where I, I, I knew Jesus. I was kind of piggybacking on my mom's faith and my grandmother's faith. Right, But it was that summer where it was like, this is mine now. And it became so real to me. And I remember coming home from summer project and sitting down and talking to my mom about all, of, all that I was learning and how much, like, how this had changed my life. And I kind of expected her to be excited, right? Like, wow, this is great. My son's taking his faith seriously. He owns it, right? Like, I thought this was going to be kind of one of those moments where she would, it would just be joy. And her response was, how did I fail you? I thought I had taken, like, are you saying that what I did wasn't good enough? It wasn't right? I missed something? Like, it was, it was crushing for her. It was hard for her to hear that 
I had to go on and, and have this experience to kind of have my life radically transformed in the faith. And she felt like she had failed me. She had felt like something, something she didn't do something right as a mom, as a, as a Christian. I had changed, and that created some tension. Now, we, over the course of the you know, next few days, talked through it and, and worked through it. And it was like, no, 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 this is, this is God making good on the promises from baptism and all these things. Like, this is the fruit of your faithfulness, right? Of your mothering and how you took us to church and all. This is the fruit of that. This is, this is the results of that. But it was still that initial kind of shock of, you needed this thing to change you? But what about all of this? You see, that was, and that was just in my own little family. Now imagine a whole community of people being changed like this, kind of in a moment, where it was this, this whole thing of, wow, we missed it. We knew all of this stuff, but we just needed this last little bit. So you can imagine the people who didn't have that experience got angry, and they got upset. Why? Because Paul and Barnabas were effective. Because the gospel did its thing. And so, yeah, there was the joy and the happiness of people hearing and responding to the gospel and beginning to follow Jesus, and that is awesome. But there were also Gentiles and Jews that said, mm -mm. oh, we got a problem now. And they were not happy, right? It says in verse 2, The Jews who refused to believe stirred up the other Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. Now, the reason I said I don't think this story would have happened in 2023 is because when this kind of thing happens nowadays, what do we do? We click unfollow. We click block. Right? Someone stirs up, stirs up stuff about something. Like, I don't need that negativity in my life. Click. Right? You know? I a few years ago there was a there was a guy uh, who who's a a believer and he wrote a book talking about how what Christians in the world need to do today is they need to remove themselves from the world. We need to pull out, we need to retreat. We need to start all Christian schools. We need, everything has to just, Christians need to just retreat from the world for, for a number of years because it's just, it's just too bad out there now. And, and we just, we can't be about, we can't be out there in that. It's just, it's just too corrupting. So we need to pull out and hide and kind of create, you know, communities of just us and keep, keep out of those things. You see, People just poison their minds against us. So our response needs to be what? Hide. Pull out. Get away from them. That's, that's the mindset of so many of us today. This wouldn't, Acts 14 doesn't happen today. Probably. Right? Because what is, what's Paul and Barnabas' response? to the poisoning of minds against them. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there, speaking boldly for the Lord, 
who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. They spent time. They doubled down. They engaged more deeply. They didn't throw up their hands and go, oh, their minds are poisoning against us. We're out. Canceled. Done. Let's move on. That's not what they did. They said, no, no, no. Let's dig in. Let's dig in. Let's talk about this some more. They weren't afraid of their faith. They didn't hide it. It says they proclaimed the gospel boldly, the message about Jesus boldly. They, they entered in, and they stayed, they, it says they spent considerable time there. In our world today, at the first, at the first sign of, oh, doors closed, right? When one door closes, another door opens, right? Isn't that, that's our saying, you know? Oh, there's a little bit of, little bit of friction. This isn't God's will for me. Turn around and go over here to the other, try to find a different door. No, at the first sign of friction, they dug in and they said, no, let's not run away from community. Let's not run away from our people. Let's not run away from these folks. Let's go in deeper with them. Let's talk some more. Let's see if we can't figure this thing out together. I am sure they reasoned together, which is a phrase that we'll get later in the book of Acts. They got into it. They weren't jerks about it, they, but they, they didn't back down. They weren't afraid of having some hard conversations. They spent considerable time in this place where it says the people's minds were poisoned against them. They stayed. Are we the kind of people now that will stay? Will we engage with those who have tension with us? Will we step into it and say, let's have the conversation. I know we don't agree. It's okay. We don't have to agree. But let's have the conversation. Let's talk about it. Let's, let's get into it. In love, to be sure. In grace, in mercy. But let's talk. I'm not going to just run away from you. I'm not going to hit block. I'm not going to hit unfollow. Uh, whatever it is. No, let's, let's talk. Let's go. Do we stay or do we go? Are we a people that are going to spend considerable time in the place where the people's minds have been poisoned against us? You see, as opposed to this Christian author, I would say the opposite is true. I would say, instead of, instead of retreating from the world, what the church needs to do is engage it more. We need to go more into the world. We need to dig deeper into the world. We need to go further up, further in. All those places where they really don't want us, that's the place we most desperately need to go. Taking grace and love and light and mercy to those places. I remember um, it was, I think my kids had been, uh, it was at the end of, of Ethan's eighth grade year. So he was getting ready to transition from middle school to 
to high school. And Libby had just finished her sixth grade year. So she was getting ready to go, you know, sixth grade to seventh. So both my kids were at the middle school for a year together. And, um, you know, I will never forget one of these teachers who had had both of our kids. Uh, we were at, you know, eighth, eighth grade, I think they called it graduation, or whatever it is, right, where they say sayonara to the eighth graders and send them on their way. We were there, and one of these teachers walked up to us, to Amy and I. Uh, she's a believer, and she just said, thank you for sending your kids here. I need to see their faces because not every kid is walking down the hall with a smile on their face. Not every kid makes eye contact and looks me in the eye and smiles. They don't say anything, but they smile. There is something about your kids that I need to see every day in these halls. Thank you for sending them here. People thought we were nuts sending our kids to public school, let alone to Lincoln. They thought we were crazy. Like, well, if you're going to send them to public schools, at least send them over to Ann Arbor, right? At least send them to Ann Arbor public schools. They're so much better. You know what? No. Our schools were great. We had phenomenal, loving, caring teachers. We made an impact by engaging and stepping into the schools, right? This is, this is what we're supposed to be doing. This is what it means to follow Jesus. We are to go to the places where there is need. If Christians keep running away from wherever there's conflict, from wherever there's disagreement, from wherever there's you know, the poisoning of minds against us, we're just going to continue to be more and more marginalized. And so then what are we going to do? We're going to see more and more articles written by Christian thought leaders about how the world is going to hell in a handbasket. We're the ones that let it go. We're the ones that ran away. We're the ones that pulled out. We're the ones that withdrew. We're the ones that are hiding. We're, not, we're the ones that are not following what Paul and Barnabas did here in Acts chapter 14. What is the model? They stayed a considerable amount of time. That's the model. But there's another side to this. Right? What's the second half of this story? It says, The people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, others with the apostles. In verse 5, there was a plot afoot among both Gentiles and Jews, together with their leaders, to mistreat them and stone them. But they found out about it and fled to the Lyconian cities of Lystra and Derb into the surrounding country where they continued to preach the gospel. You see, you see the difference? There was the engagement of the mind, of ideas, of talking, and then there was physical violence. And when it came to physical violence, they said, all right, now, now it's time to go. 
they weren't trying to get martyred. Right? Like, we sometimes in Christian America have this glorified idea of martyrdom. Like, yes, go get martyred for the faith. No! No, 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 no! Let's follow Paul and Barnabas' model. When it's ideas, let's go. Let's engage. Let's get down and dirty. Let's talk. Let's stick around a considerable amount of time. You want to stone us? I'm out. See ya. Drop me down a wall. We're gone. They were not trying to get martyred. They had no desire to be amongst the martyrs in the book of Revelation. That, is not, that was not their goal. As soon as it got to the place where there was going to be physical violence against them, they said, okay, we're out. We're out. We're not doing this. Do you see, do you see the line? Mind? Ideas? Versus physical. There's a philosopher I follow, I read every once in a while, a guy named Peter Rollins. He says... He says that war is the end of conflict, right? We oftentimes think of war is conflict. He says, no, 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 war is the end of conflict. War is when you decide you're done with conflict and you're just going to destroy the other. You see, that's what we see here. When you're engaging with the mind, when you're talking, when you're spending a considerable amount of time and you're in conflict, that's okay. Talk, work through it. Share ideas. Process this thing out. Be effective in your communication. But when it turns to physical violence, conflict is over. Now the other is simply just trying to destroy. And that's where we walk away. That's where we say, no, 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 no. We're not doing this because the conflict is now over and something else is happening. Now it's just about being destroyed. So, you see, we talk a lot in our world today about how, you know, oh, we're so persecuted as Christians. There isn't physical violence. There's no physical violence in America towards us. Not that any that I know of. And I follow it pretty closely. We live in a day and age where religious freedom is consistently over and over and over again protected at the Supreme Court. We live in the most religiously free society, maybe in the history of mankind. Now, it might, in some one-on-one -on -one conversations, or it maybe in the way that we hear the news or something along those lines, it feels like there might be something coming against us, like there's some sort of persecution. But guess what, guys? That's the whole mind thing. That's the poisoning of the mind thing. That's not the stoning thing. Words and stones are not the same. Right? It can hurt. Emotional hurt is no less than physical hurt, but emotion but but we still but when it's the ideas, we still have a responsibility to step in and to engage and not run. We are in a time where we can engage with people in a whole new way. There is so much ability for us to spend considerable time with folks. So my challenge, my encouragement to you 
is follow the model of Paul and Barnabas here in Acts chapter 14. So how do we do that? One, we're not afraid to talk about Jesus. We talk about Jesus. We don't have to have all the answers, right? We don't. We just can talk about Jesus. You have stories about how Jesus has changed you. You have stories about how you've seen God work in your life. You, you have those stories. We just talk about those stories. Two, when conflict arises, we don't fold up tent and go home and say, well, they weren't open. And we walk away. Oh, well. No. We double down. We stick around. We love well. We continue to be in their life. And we spend considerable time. And we stick around. The door isn't closed until the stones come out. When physical violence is threatened on us, then, then you walk away. But until that time, be present. Be present. Love well. Take that gospel. Take the story of love and grace and mercy and unconditional acceptance and love. Forgiveness. Take it everywhere you go with all these people. That is how we follow the model of Acts chapter 14. That is how we follow Paul and Barnabas. So I would encourage you to maybe just take a look. Take a look this week. Think about it. How are you doing? How are, how are you doing in following Paul and Barnabas' example? Right? Are you, are you talking about Jesus with people? Are you staying engaged with people? Are you wise in realizing the difference between ideas and physical violence? Words and stones. I'd love for you to wrestle with that and to take, take that with you this week. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for time, again, to spend in the Scriptures. Lord, I pray that we would be a people who understand the difference between words and stones, that we would be a people that follow in the footsteps of Paul and Barnabas, that even when minds might be poisoned against us, we spend considerable time. We engage with love and grace and truth and mercy, speaking of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And we pray this in His name. Amen.